Let me talk you through the two most emotional, stressful months of my sales career. It's no big deal to call a CTO and tell I want to talk. You cannot stand on the sideline and basically wait until the dice rolls itself. It's never gonna happen. I don't know if this is gonna be on the record or off the record. It's almost like playing with cards, this job. Like, it's like you, you get given a hand of cards and like you have to do the best with what, what you have. It's like someone might have been watching, watching down on me. Me and Jack going into this, when, when he originally told me exactly the same, like, oh, you know, Jack, I've got this idea, you know, what about this? I just, my first thought was, my God, if no, I don't even care if anyone, like, listens to this, you know, if I take one key takeaway from every recording, I'll be such a better rap. This is No Big Deal, a sales podcast. And I always remember, I don't know why this is in my head. It's funny how people make you think. And I was like sharing my calendar. This is like back in my uh, back in my heyday. And on the on the weekend. Oh, just, yeah, the like, rave. Rave. <laughs> <laughs> and all of them were like, where's the rave? And I'm like, it's so good. Yeah, that's all we cared about. We didn't care. That's all we like, cared about. So they, they saw the structure of my day, you know, vidyards and that. And they just saw the weekend. It just had like 12 till 12 blocked out with a rave. I'll never forget <laughs> that. So I was like, I just made me laugh no but it, you had the right audience in there like we were all curious more about the rave and um but so yeah, Fabiola, no. i heard you've got a big deal for us yeah so do you, should i just like chat about it or like how do we do this or like sorry i know you said we're going to record the whole thing but like do you want me to just yeah, what, what we'll do is probably like do you want to just you know you can just give us a, like a quick synopsis of it now Maybe I'll, maybe I'll start it there with look, really excited to have Fabiola da Silva on the No Big Deal podcast. Uh, me and Fabiola have known each other for a few years now. We were uh, SDRs and now we're uh, account executives and we sort of followed our careers. We've both been involved in Wiser's 100 over 100. And Fabiola is a super successful rep. Um, she's sold really big deals. She invests in SaaS businesses as well. And she's a really great person that I think a lot of people can learn from. I sold this deal about six, seven months ago. I thought it would be nice to talk about it because there's a lot of mini, you know, a good deal is a good deal because a lot of small things go right. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this one. I mean, it was kickstarted by an SDR with me, like doing the outbound together and stuff. And then um, the way it progressed progressed super quickly just because we did the right things, not super quickly to the point where it was like a, I don't know, a two week deal or anything like that. It was a um, seven and a half week deal, which for us, you know, when I was working in small business last year, that's pretty much a little bit above average um, in terms of our all sell cycles. Um, but it ended up closing for about, was a really decent deal. Uh, and moreover, I think the, the cool thing about it is that it's, um, it's now a strategic, one of our strategic merchants at GC because we, the way in which we're positioning the growth of the product and in the market, how we're growing using technologies like open banking and all that, they're really, really interested and they're, they've been happy to go and publicly speak about it and publicly sleep, speak about the work we're doing with them. So it's not just adding value commercially, but it's adding value um, to us as an organization to have them as a customer. So it's a really good one to talk about. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much else you want to know, but that's sort of like the quick summary of it. Yeah, that's, that's great. Perfect, that's, that's the perfect kickoff. That's exactly what we wanted. <laughs> Especially when we're going to talk about uh, the deal that she's prepared for us today. Um, but the first thing that I think to kick off Fabiola would be, could could you just give us a synopsis? Because we're going to talk about a deal that you've signed at GoCardless, correct? Yeah. 
Yeah. Great. But before we go into the deal, I think it's always worth just having a sort of a one sentence value prop about what Go Cardless do um, that can help listeners along uh, the podcast. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, so put simply, we help people collect payments from their customers. That's the most simple way in which I can explain Go Cardless. Bang, there you go. <laughs> there you yeah, nice. Sign me up. okay so what the place that we love to start the most and it's something that you just mentioned in the synopsis is how does this thing kick off how does this big deal start yeah good question so um i'm actually really excited to talk about this deal for for a number of reasons but i think the number one is because it really embodies who our icp is um at go cardless so we typically tend to look for organizations that are growing fairly quickly, organizations that require to take payments, obviously, that are looking to perhaps launch in a different number of markets or consumer segments and don't really want to grow their headcount as they grow their business. Um, and so technology fits you know, that problem or our technology fits that problem particularly well. So, um, well... I got a a newsletter email like I do most days uh, with a couple of companies that raise funds, spotted them. Uh, I was on holiday, I remember, and I messaged my SDR saying, these guys are great. Like they've just raised loads of money. Go and reach out to them. Uh, I don't want to wait until I come back for us to reach out to them. Uh, And I'm glad we did that because um, at the time, their CTO uh, came back to us very quickly. Subsequently, they were going to launch in additional countries. And he said to us, Listen, if you want to get in, you're going to have to be really quick because we're about to sign in the dotted line with this competitor. And um, obviously, we know a bit of a turning point at that point, to be completely honest with you. I thought we had lost a little bit of like sort of, you know, we were going to have to go really, really heavy um, against what the competition was offering. But plot twist a little bit of what happened as well. The CEO of this company actually um, knew my sales manager at the time from him trying to sell to the CEO a couple of times before uh, unsuccessfully. So almost there was a bit of a joke of saying, well, third time, lucky. Um, let's see. I'm interested in chatting to you. He reached out to my sales manager and said, let's have a conversation. So um, yeah, super cool the way it started, traditional outbound with a bit of you know um, context on, on us previously from other, other companies. Um, so yeah, that's how, things, that's how things kicked off with them. I've got a question here. Whenever I think, and this is my own personal thing, whenever I get a deal in and I hear the words, you know, you're really late to the party, we're going to go with a competitor. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's when I perform at my best. Yeah. There's something yeah. about being told, you know, we're going to go with someone else, you know, it's yours to lose. When you heard that, Fabiola, like, what was your first reaction? What was the next thing you did? Yeah, good question. I um, I kind of always say to myself that I don't want to lose on capabilities. Like I, uh, I don't want to lose on value. I don't want to lose on capabilities. If it's price, if it's timing, you know, those things are sometimes very difficult to narrow down if a prospect is not open to negotiating or things like that. But when it comes to um, being a real partner, and that's something I've learned mostly over the last nine to ten months. Um, if you're able, you know, if if you really want to win the deal, you need to go really heavily on that. It's not just how you win 
from a capabilities point of view, but it's why are you the best long-term partner? Like what's in what's in your company that's going to give me the reassurance that I can invest with you in our case for three years, right? So um, yeah, I definitely put on my competition, like sort of gear on. And uh, I guess the same way, you know, you healthily compete with your colleagues and um, it's almost like, what well, I'm not going to let the competition win this. Definitely not. <laughs> Do you go straight in against your competition? Me and Jack have got a difference of opinion here. I try and sell just straight to what I'm trying to talk about, straight to where I come in, what we do. Jack actively brings in competition, actively talks about competition quite regularly. What's your take on that and how did it play out in this scenario? So, you know, first of all, I just thought that if they were actually ready to sign with a the competition, they would have just done it. Um, and that nice, yeah. Me, um, oh, that's, that's a great... You know, that's a great way of thinking about it. Did you ask that question just to interject? Why haven't you sold with the customer? You know, in hindsight, I did, but not in the same way that I'm telling you. Like, it was something on the lines of, well, why haven't you signed yet? Like, what's, you know, what's the reason? And at the time, the objection was around technology. So we... We sell very heavily on the capabilities of our API, particularly for high-tech merchants that are looking for a stable partner. Like those things are really important because that's the, and we update it regularly. So I don't think they were that confident with the competitor's ability to do it. Um, Plus also there was a big question mark around their future and where they were putting basically all their bets. Um, And our, our bets were really clear. And this is where, you know, Obviously, it really helps working for a company that sets out their ambitions super clearly out in media PR. We made it super clear that we were traveling on the open banking direction, and we still are, and we are going to do that for the foreseeable future. I think we were lucky uh, in that element that that we were doing it. So my job was then to demonstrate that that was actually true. There's that special word, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with this idea of luck, Fabiola, whether it's good luck or bad luck. And the more I learn about it, the more I realize you have to you have to take a shot. It's not luck. But genuinely, I don't think it is. I think you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. You've got to put yourself there. So um, I'm going to jump back to the, the, com- the competitive element. So you're now super confident that you know what? They may not have been that confident about their, about their previous choice. They're letting me into the frame. They're letting us have a shot. What do you do next? You round up your team internally do you go direct to the customer how do you make the next move here yeah so really really good question i was really concerned about the fact that they were ahead and sometimes when i know you know from other deals that i've worked in that i'm ahead of the competition i know i have the ability to educate customers on on what they need and um particularly around the problem right like right this is your this is your situation um, this is the strategic recommendation we would give you. And I know that they would have had that chance. So the way I overcame that was to use as much resource internally as I could to convince them that our solution was the best fit for purpose for what they were trying to do. There was a very specific element of the technology, specifically coming down to how the customer makes the actual payment. So like the interface that uh, was the main point of discussion. It started as a very high level um, situation sort of, or, or problem, not something overly concerning to then becoming one red flag from one of the members of the team saying, right, if we, if we are not able to do this in the way we want to do it, it might not be the best solution for us. And so um, I think one of the, the key things about this particular deal is that, and I always advise this to everyone I speak to about sales, is that relationship building internally and externally are super important. Because when you have 
the right people to ask within your business how to solve that particular problem. Those are maybe things that no one has ever thought about before. It was our case. You know, this, this particular very specific scenario had never happened to us in the past. And we had to come up collectively with a solution for them. And we almost thought, right, if they are asking for this and they're at the forefront of this type of businesses, a lot of other companies are going to start asking for the same thing. So we almost spearheaded um, uh, almost like a flow that will, how it would, how the product would look like very quickly that made them feel comfortable. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't straightforward. And it took a couple of meetings. It definitely took me having to go back and forth internally with the product team. So I guess the, the sort of learning point here is that if you take everything at face value as a sales rep internally and externally, like you might not get that edge you need to win. Um, and you might have to dig deep and ask why internally and externally to get to where you need to convince the prospect that you're the right partner, if that makes sense. Boom, clip that. Yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of, and I don't know the best way to describe it. It's that kind of, it's kind of bloody mindedness, like refusal to accept that this might not be an option. That kind of so solution focused that you're going, I'm going to, you're the person who's making this happen, right? You're the driving force behind this. A hundred percent. And I, I always say that, like, if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it because it's, it's ultimately, it's my job to collect all these resources, put them together and then make the most out of them. Um, and you know, who, who loses the most is go cardless, I guess, if we not, if we don't win that, mm. that customer and, um, always try to put my go cardless hat on and, and think, right. What, what would the CEO do? Right. Like what would the, what would the product team do? Um, and that kind of like helps you, helps you get there. If you see how product teams actually like do their discoveries for every company is different, but they don't like, they, they don't think like us very like sort of try to go to the solution of the problem. They kind of investigate a lot before they actually do that. And sometimes it's good mm -hmm. to get a bit of that like mindset to sales and like spend some time with them. I guess, you know, it's natural for us that we sell a technical product, but um, yeah, I know that that's, you know, an edge point for some reps that want to become a little bit better. Well, my, our manager says this to Jack and I often, a great AE is actually a really great project manager. And I think that rings true here. Is there anything that from this deal in particular that springs to mind about how you project manage going forward once you come up with this solution? Yeah, so actually one of the points I um, I thought was good to mention here was that we, something that we did to mitigate for the lack of time was to set up a Slack channel. We, we use Slack for internal communications. So straight away, set up a Slack channel with them. And we took communications very seriously and very quickly. So instead of, coming back to them with an answer in about seven to eight hours. We went from going back and forth in emails, like probably how quickly can you probably do emails where you need other people, let's say two or three a day maximum to about 10, 12 messages a day between us. And it made it so much simpler and so much easier to speed up the, the deal. And when we talk about, you know, every rep gets tasked to reduce their sales cycle. Like I've never met one that, that doesn't. Uh, and those are the things that can help you speed up the sales cycle. A lot of it is down to the communication and bringing everyone together constantly all the time to collect information, to resolve things. And um, yeah, so I think that really helped us at the time. And do you use Slack channels internally per deal? Like, so for example, this deal, would you create a Slack channel just for your internal teams so they can share ideas and updates? That's a good point. So I didn't used to do it, but now that I've moved to what we call corporate or other companies call mid-market, we do that a lot. So um, yeah, 
I would set up a, a team, a Slack channel with about, at this point, I collaborate with about 10 to 12 people internally for some of our, some of our deals. So much easier to get everyone on the same page of what's going on, what's the state of play, um, what's the lay of the land, basically. And people to, for people to give you input is actually so much simpler because everyone's mm-hmm. in the same thread. Everyone knows what's happening. So much, much easier. I know you said we're not talking about it still. I just feel like I'm in a mentoring session now. And in this, it sounds as though we're into the paper process at this point, which is notoriously the hardest part. And I, I always find out, my, everybody always finds out the hard way. Um, and only the paranoid survive when it comes to the paper process. Who signs it? When did they last sign it? Who else signs it? Who else checks it? And is there any point in this, like a real sticking point that you felt because you were paranoid, it sounds as though you didn't know 100% it was going to happen. Was there any point where you thought this isn't happening and I've lost this? Yeah, so we um, we gave a lot of concessions as you normally do um, when when you're in a negotiation process, and we gave concessions based on a particular signature date. Like you know, it's quite common in sales, and um, obviously we were on that date. Everyone prepared, deal forecasted, like all it's happening, it's happening. Like we've built everybody onto this, including the team on the other side, on the other company. Call midday, not happening today. Like we haven't had enough time to. Um, come to the pain (laughs) and at this point I'm like really (laughs) (laughs) can I just ask here right this is something we haven't spoken about yet in any of our conversations tell me outside of your professional life now so you're Fabiola at work and this still is going through you forecasted it and it's the middle of the day how does how does Fabiola outside of work now operate now that this is happening you mean as like interesting do what was your question like? I said, like, how do I do like everything else in my life based on like this kind of stuff? Or yeah, because I know what it's like for me. Everything else stops. I say this to my girlfriend. She's like, "Can you I concentrate am. on anything else?" And I'm not right now. Not for the next. Uh, yeah, of yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. Are you able to put that to one side and carry on with what you're doing, or is it all all consuming? Yeah, it's it's really funny. I kind of have like an like a like an internal code of like do not disturb with like friends and family. Like I I pick up the phone always unless I. I really can't because um, I'm in a client meeting or whatever it is. But when I'm waiting for a deal, I don't pick up the phone for like the whole day until it's happened. And then, um, yeah, if it doesn't happen, well, I probably won't pick up the phone then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Go cry by myself. And <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. So, yeah. so anyway, I apologize. I interrupted. So so you get the email it's, midday. It's a funny question, actually, because it makes you think about the things that, you know, when you're when when you're in sales you forget that other people aren't in sales and like they just don't i had this i had this the other day i um i uh was speaking to a friend she was like can we meet on like the 28th um and i was like 28th of march like that's like almost the end of the quarter like (laughs) (laughs) next week (laughs) i'm literally the same thing trying to organize something with my friend and his girlfriend you know me and my fiance and it's like oh no can't do that date that's the end of the month (laughs) <laughs> I like I could be refreshing I could be refreshing ironclad or DocuSign at 8 p.m. that night. That would be any fun. I know. <laughs> but yeah, you forget about it when you when you speak to people that are outside of this world. Yeah, agreed. So so the, the deal is off now. It's midday, they're not signing. Done. What happens next? How do you get it back from the jaws of death? Yeah, so we um we leaned on that relationship and partnership and we leaned on the ability to empower them. They, they had a go live date. So we weren't working against a blind, um, why now we had a particular date in the calendar by what they had, by which they had to launch their product. 
So um, we use a few of our pricing contract mechanics to make sure that we met that timeline, but gave them a little bit of time to ramp up sort of their usage and, and their customers. And I think they really appreciated that. Uh, at the time, they appreciated the fact that we went back, looked into it, made it easier for them to, to sign. And um, I think for us, you know, it, it actually ended up becoming a, a super, um, you know, strategic partner. Um, as I was telling you, I guess, a little bit before they ended up becoming our flagship customer when it comes to one of our open banking initiatives. And that's brilliant for us. And we can't wait to see them grow. Can't wait to see them expand and grow with them. We have customers that we've helped grow since they had 10 payments a month and now have 1.5 million payments a month. So I'm excited for that to become one of those stories. Um, and uh, I guess one of the things that is probably, I don't know, my highlights of, of the deal as well was the moment it, it got signed. I was actually, after so many back and forth questions and never actually feeling 100% secure that it was going to get signed. Uh, I think it was a Friday afternoon, like literally last day of the week, heat wave, like it was super hot. I was coming home. I was almost dizzy. You know, when you're almost dizzy, that is so hot that like, you're like, oh my God, I need to get home right now. And the CEO calls me and asks me another question. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like just, you know, <laughs> try to navigate this in the best possible way. And then he just said, okay, I've signed it. It's done. I've signed it. Yeah. On the phone. <laughs> On the phone. <Yeah>. Then. then <laughs> Obviously, that's the classic like movie moment when you're like at the back, you're like, and then <laughs> on the fun, you're like, amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks so much. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Like, it's been great. And can't wait. Well, this bit you can edit out in case he listens to this. <laughs> Not the bit about him signing, but like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But- I'm sure. I think, I think buyers. I'd hope they secretly know how much it means to the sales rep if it comes in. Like they know we get paid commission. They know it's a big deal, especially if it's like a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, we have to get on the theme that no, like, you know, a big deal is, you know, no big deal. Like Fabioli, you've lied. Look, for anyone that's listening that's not in sales, if you get a big contract that's signed, you know, no one cares. It's just oh yeah, okay. Thanks, mate. On to the next one. (laughs) We don't celebrate until 4 a.m. Yeah, exactly. It was brilliant. It was a Friday afternoon, like, um, and also like, you know, honestly, it was just the culmination of this, like very busy back and forth, non-straightforward process. And it ended up in us winning the deal. It was fantastic. Um, we launched a press release with them about two weeks after that. They've been an amazing customer and, um, yeah, it's, it's a deal that made me learn a lot about us, uh, and about my own capabilities of negotiation as well i think negotiation is one thing that when you're a junior rep you struggle a lot with you don't have unless you've negotiated other things in your life which a lot of people like haven't really it's it's not something we feel comfortable with doing it's it's difficult to understand the value you can provide i think good negotiations all come from knowing the state of play really well knowing who you are who the other person is and what is at stake from both sides and this probably was my first deal where I knew so well the value we could provide that I knew that if I move commercially significantly, we were probably going to be impacted by the negotiation more than the other company. And I think we managed to get to a happy middle ground. And I say this because we had a very hard negotiator on the other side and um, he wouldn't mind me saying this. He knows that I've told him so many times, but he taught me so much about 
keeping your ground strong and understanding what you really are capable of providing. And I think it's something not a lot of people talk about, not a lot of salespeople talk about this. And it's ultimately what makes or breaks big deals sometimes is, you know, your, your capability of staying firm on the pricing you offer. Yeah, as salespeople, we have a tendency to rush through this final part just to get to the gratification stage. We want it yeah. just to be done. So, I mean, in summary, was it, I don't want to, maybe it's something else, but what was the, the biggest key takeaway and perhaps the biggest learning that you got from this deal that you could perhaps tell other people when they're going through this process? Yeah, I think um, I like the idea. We have a really excellent rep at Gacardless who's now turned into a sales manager. Um, his name's Connor. And Connor talked about in another podcast recently about uh, the idea of a lot of collective yeses that make a big yes, as opposed to getting um, one yes from maybe somebody that is not that influential into the deal. Almost being aware of the fact that we talk a lot about champions in sales, finding your um, your fighter internally, the person is going to push things for you, but you can actually have multiple champions in one deal. You can actually find yourself people that champion your solution or people that champion the initiative internally or people that champion themselves. Like there's all sorts of types of, of championing. And um, I think one of the key pieces about being a salesperson is finding what that person cares about. What are they a champion of? And when you learn that, then you can help on that side. And that really helped us with this deal, right? The original technical blocker that came to us from one of the users you know, now is one of the biggest advocates of GoCardless. We learned to navigate and manage why did they care so much about it. They're the responsibles of customer experience in that company. So for them, it's crucial that it looks great. Otherwise, it doesn't benefit them. So those minimal things sound very small but they are, in my opinion, what makes a deal. So I've thought a lot about that over the last few months and um, it's really influenced my way of selling. That's interesting. <clears throat> On that, but a bit differently, what lessons do you think you learned from you know, deals that you'd lost or maybe other deals that you'd won that helped you to win this big one? Um. It's interesting that you say that about previous relationships. Uh, you, you mentioned that, that having sold to someone that you sells love in the past. And um, well, we obviously had this person who, you know, we had tried to sell to in the past through my sales manager, who was at the time a rep. And I trusted that too much at the beginning. I was like, oh, well, they know each other. Like, you know, it's not going to be a done deal, but they, he knows very well what we can do. And it wasn't the case. Like it, it, it still was a case of us having to go really heavily on, on the sales process and sort of education and showing the value. And I think it's it's good to never assume anything. Um, we have a tendency, and I still do it pretty much every day, every week, to sometimes get happy ears with whatever you hear from somebody, you know, heavily advocating your solution or heavily advocating. But I think the other point you touched on as well, Fabiola, is, you know, like, you probably won this deal because you cared more about solving the customer's challenges. Um, and, you know, you you aligned that to how, you know, GoCardless could solve the technical challenges. <clears throat> I would boil down decision criteria into three buckets. Uh, technical, yeah. relationship, and, oh, my God, my mind's just gone blank. Okay. Um, <laughs> mo uh, commercials, you know, and you, won, and you won all three. And we've literally, we've walked this deal and you won all three of the decision criteria. You won the technical front with that feature. You won the relationship because you won with the social proof of, you know, being the chosen partner specifically with that. And then you won on the commercials by negotiating well with the great negotiator. So well done. 
Yeah, I think it's fair to say we've had some great guests on here already. Um, this this has been my favourite conversation that we've had so far. I'm sure you agree, Jack. This has been fantastic, Fabio. Yeah, so thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. And you know, I'm, I I I love to do stuff like this because I it makes me also reflect. I, I've I read a few a few months ago. I don't know where, but that learn learning some the best way to learn something is to is to talk about it, is to teach it. And you kind of sometimes don't know what you what you what you haven't written down or what you haven't reflected on. And like when I was preparing for this was writing down all the things that happened during the deal and like trying to remember I went back to our channel where we put the deals close and like the little synopsis and stuff oh yeah true we created a slack channel with them like (laughs) this kind of stuff like came to mind and I was like oh wow yeah it makes total sense when you look back it's like um it's not a it's not one good thing that you did it's like a combination of a lot of decent things that that you do um throughout the deal and there's our strap line. Yeah, there's the strap line. Great. Thanks so much for joining us, Fabiola. That was awesome. No, thank you you're so much. Hero. That was a fun. Thank you, guys. You're you're really good podcast hosts. You're not um very dynamic. Oh, thanks a lot. Podcast, Jack. Take that, Stephen Bartler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love that. Love that. And I actually love the idea. I saw the I saw the you put it on LinkedIn that you started it because Jack came back from holiday and you kind of wanted to give him all the lowdown on deals, but you just didn't have a way to do that in a quick way, I guess, like to share with him. Quite literally, that is the exact reason why this came around, I thought. And then I thought quite selfishly, I want all of these deal win win and loss reports for myself. I want them from all the best salespeople that we know. And now I've got a way to get them. <laughs> it's so funny. I know. It, and it never says the same thing. You know, the text like never says the same thing as when you tell the story. And like sales is all about stories and stuff. And like... Um, so, uh, every deal is different and you know every everyone wins it for certain things and you know like me and jack going into this when when he originally told me exactly the same like oh you know jack i've got this idea you know what about this i just my first thought was my god if no i don't even care if anyone like listens to this you know if i take one key takeaway from every recording i'll be such a better rep 100 percent, 100 percent and back again also to like the um, not a big thing but a lot of small things like i think that's what makes like you know at least for me that's what's made me a more successful rep and person like a human because i used to think about oh god i'm like so terrible at this i need to like listen to so many calls and like um like shape up my business cases or whatever it was like and now i'm more like right i'd rather listen to one gong call every day even if it's only 20 minutes than to do yeah. a one day every 3 months where i listen to a bunch of of calls and you start to get on that mindset where you're like just do a little bit every day and then it fixes itself over time it's just the problem is we're not patient enough so we just want everything like straight like literally done in 2 minutes that's the issue and on that as well i remember when i closed my my first big sizable deal i rung my one of our sales directors at the time I was like, i'm so stressed out like i don't think this is going to happen i haven't had that moment yet the windfall moment where they've said yes and it's going to go forward and he said to me it's always stuck with me he said on big deals you never have that moment yeah, he was yeah. Like, you have tiny 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 moments for months on end or weeks on end and then eventually it happens when you're not ready for it but you're never going to have that moment when everybody says oh don't worry about it jack you can go and have a glass of champagne now because it's all going to happen nobody does that for you like it's all tiny little moments and then boom, at the end of it, you do you do get it when the when the contract's signed. But you're right, it's a it's a it's a it's a multitude of yeses. Well, it's almost like playing with cards. This job, like it's like you you get given a hand of cards, and like you have to do the best with what you 
what you have. It's not really about what happens with the cards. It's like doing the best of what you have with those cards. That's how I see it. So interesting, Fabiola. My analogy is chess. You know, you're on one side of the board. You have all of your pieces in front of you. The competitor, probably in, in your situation, or the buyer is on the other side. And the stakeholders of the pieces and all you're doing in the plays and all you're doing is moving around the board until you get to that checkmate DocuSign. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, I think one one last thing I was going to say, and I don't know how to like add it into the things that we talked about, but one of the things I not regretted, but I, I kind of wish I would have done early on was visit them in person. Like we were already yeah. at a stage where um, they were based in London, new office close to ours like relatively close and at the time I just didn't see it I just thought well they're very you know young tech company they they probably don't want to spend a lot of time talking to vendors now that I'm in mid-market like corporate like it's completely different for us like we extremely value face-to-face relationships and like we put so much effort into them and we always prioritize face-to-face first so like I would encourage people that sell into customers that are in their same city even in their same country to just go and visit them like it's it's going to make a huge difference. And I've had instances where like the signature reduces like three weeks just based on, you know, going to see them. This is Jack's big Jack's big point that he always makes is that we need to do that more often. I don't do it enough. It was my but, big yeah. thing in the QBR since returning, you know, it's like my big initiative this year is be like, now we're back, you know, we should be anyone in the UK or anyone, you know, we can get a Eurostar to Paris or yeah. like if you've got a big enough deal... You, I guarantee you, if you put the effort in to go and see that customer face to face and you block out 90 minutes or two hours, you will win that deal. Yeah. Yep. I don't doubt it a single second. I agree totally, 100%. So I just think as well, especially in our sphere of AEs, where we're like, I call myself like a COVID AE. Do you know what I mean? I was promoted in COVID. Like, (laughs) our our natural reaction is not to see customers face to face, is it? It's to sit beside Zoom. This This is like the nice, comfy part. behind your camera (laughs) yeah this is like the natural state of being like being going to see a customer is actually out of the comfort zone but um you know what also um i don't know if this is going to be on the record or off the record but um they are more comfortable with sharing stuff with you when you're face to face and when the call so that's like i just met with a customer last week massive growth plans massive and like gave me like all the intricacies of like what what was going on in the merger, like, and like this entity is going to take this and this is going to take this. And we're talking about this amount of transactions. And I was like, I've gotten this on Zoom, like never, you know? And so I think, you know, we underestimate the ability to, to be open and honest in person. Yeah. 